International. I'm being very quiet right now because it's uh, the middle of the night and uh, I just woke up from a fever dream uh, because I realized that I I did not record an intro for the show this week. This is literally being recorded about three hours before the episode is being posted. I don't know why I'm whispering. I live alone. I could I could really just talk as loud as I want, but there's something about being awake in the middle of the night that forces you to whisper like this. Okay, uh, yeah, my, my bad. My bad. This is a terrible intro, but it's going to be a great episode. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a great one. I, that, I promise. That'll be good. Yeah, okay, here it comes. <laughs> If it doesn't fit, you must equip. Oh, righty then. <sighs> this is the good life. Just relax and let my mind drift. Having Y2K compliant. Slim Jim. Eat my shorts. What's the deal with Aquaman? Could he go on the land or was he just restricted to wood? No stairway. Denied. This is Ryan with the millennial. I can hear myself whispering. Yeah. <laughs> We're just going to bring it down a little bit and talk about Philadelphia. <laughs> Fantastic cream cheese. All right. Shalom and assalamualaika to all my listeners out there. Hope you're doing all right. I hope you're doing well. It's a very, it's been a tumultuous week to say the least. Whether you're in Austin or out of Austin, there's a lot going on in the world. So uh, take care of each other. All right. Don't uh, put up walls around yourself. We need each other now more than ever. I'm going to start singing We Are the World any second now. Uh, but for real, take care of each other and be good, all right? Like Bill and Ted have said in the past, be excellent to each other. Words to live by from a very silly movie, but it holds up, oddly enough. Uh, we're happy to have you here this week. I have a very special guest joining me. Ladies and gentlemen, introducing Lisa to the show. Hello. Hello. <laughs> what a what an entrance i like to make an entrance you just da- you like you dazzled us right there sweet you did like a few pirouettes on your way in as you did that the, it's true the listeners can't see it but they felt it uh how are you today i'm great how are you i'm doing well you rode your bike over here i did you're a staunch are you an environmentalist uh sure okay yes. <laughs> <laughs> or is it just you don't like want to buy the a car <laughs> yeah. the earth is a pretty good place yeah i haven't had a car in 10 years really mm-hmm. what uh when was the, where were you the last time you were driving i was in philadelphia and then you did you drive to austin or did you ride your bike from philadelphia well, my car got towed in Philadelphia, and I couldn't afford to get it out, so I bought a one-way Greyhound ticket. And that was it. And that's how I got here. <laughs> was that? Did you just throw your arms up, and you were like, you know what? Fuck this place. I'm going where there's no winter. That's pretty much how it went down. It was actually snowing when I bought the one-way ticket. Oh, really? Yeah. So you really escaped at the right time. Oh, yeah. And you got here during the winter, so you missed... The brutal summers that people horrify us Northeasterners with. You would think that, but it was snowing and it was April. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. And then I got here and in May, it's, I lived in a van for a while and it was like 60 days of consecutive over 100 degrees. It was a great intro. Oh, you were here for that. Oh yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. That summer has lived on in myth in Austin. For, it's true. For all the listeners outside of Austin, there was a particular summer that broke the consecutive, the record for consecutive days of 100 degree heat. 
and it's something I think they have enshrined that somewhere in the city. But uh, are you enjoying Austin? Yeah, it's great. I've been here eight years now, and it's amazing. Yeah, never leaving. You're making the most out of it. Oh yeah. <laughs> How old were you when you moved here? Well. 29 I okay. guess yeah. I forgot how old I was for a second what is age anyway right <laughs> it's a number it's just a number we're not trees you don't have to count our rings right oh man that would hurt <laughs> yeah cut an arm off every time you want to check what were you uh involved with in Philadelphia so in Philly I did a lot of different things but mostly um I did theater and improv theater uh I worked in coffee there briefly did some sales. Yeah. So you're a person, you're a creative person. It's true. You like to use your, your mind. I do. You like to solve problems with ideas. Oh, yeah. And is that still working for you today? Is that what you're still involved with? Indeed. So uh, let's, fill a, let's fill our listeners in. Uh, you have a hand in a lot of organizations and um, you put together a lot of events. Uh, what was the uh, last one that you put together? So the last event that I put together, well, I own a music venue in town, so we had a show last night. Okay. Had, um, four artists in the round, um, and before that, I organized the LGBTQ rights rally with three other women. Um, that was just back on inauguration day. That was probably our like my biggest thing. Yeah. Recently. And uh, heavily attended. Heavily attended. With, uh, final count was over a thousand people, and oh. we only planned for two weeks. So yeah, that's pretty impressive. Awesome. Yeah, and what uh, what kind of people show up to these events? So it depends on which event it is. Um, when I'm doing music production events, if it's not a fundraiser and it's just like a lemon lounge show, we get a variety of people who want listening room experiences. So they're trying to check out folk or Americana or blues or jazz. Um, occasionally Knife Fight comes and knocks everything off the walls with their yeah. bass amps. <laughs> Knife Fight is a band. Yeah, they're a local band. They're pretty raucous. They're great. Yeah. Um, and then if we're doing like a, a fundraising event, we'll get a lot of pedicabbers to come out because I pedicab and um, we'll get people who support specific organizations or causes. So it kind of varies based on the event. And do you find a wide range of ages at these events or do you gear it mostly towards the, the younger set? It's a really full mix. Um, everything from kids all the way up through senior citizens. Yeah. It's each event is all of the lemon lounge events are all ages. All of the activism work I do, I try to make it as family friendly and accessible as possible okay and uh you did mention you organized an lgbtq did i get all the letters right you did so yeah. a friend of mine and i started a nonprofit organization called queer rights atx mm -hmm. and we basically are a brand new thing that just started figuring out how to create events to galvanize people to get them out get them active mm -hmm. um the next thing that we're doing with that is pretty huge as part of a global event that's happening on june 11th it's the lgbtq rights rally and march it has a, a official name but we're not yeah. announcing that till next friday okay but, so it's under wraps right it started out organizing in dc and we were the first sister city to jump on and say we wanted to do it so um we've got organizations from all across the queer community in austin but we're also bringing people in from dallas san antonio el paso houston has been really instrumental we're busting people in and yeah it's going to be a pretty massive texas queer rights march. yeah that's fantastic 
Do you think you're making a little bit of headway on that front? I know gay rights is, is a hot issue nowadays. And I am a straight white male who, therefore, I am the enemy. Uh, I no, say you're that, an ally. I say that playfully. <laughs> yes, I am an ally. Uh, I'm a human rights ally. I think everybody should be allowed to be who they want to be. Um, but, you know, especially being in Texas, it's a lot different. Well, maybe not so much different than being in Philadelphia, but uh, it's a red state nonetheless. Sure. Uh, have you ever been faced with opposition or has anybody angrily confronted you? Um, on a personal level, yes, as an organization, not yet, because we're still pretty small. Um, I, I'm bisexual, and so a lot of times in the queer community, uh, sometimes that can feel um, kind of, what's the word I'm looking for? It, it, it kind of gets brushed to the side sometimes. They like, feel like you're straddling the fence. You're not taking a side. Sometimes, yeah. And yeah. so since I've moved to Texas, I haven't really been really active in the LGBTQ community for that reason. I didn't, it never really came up and I didn't really want it to be a thing. Um, but after the presidential election and going into this new Texas legislation session, um, the Texas Ledge was just introducing so many bills and amendments that were anti-LGBTQ, for example, um, saying that teachers and other government reporters, like people who have to tell on tell if something's happening to you, like especially if you're a kid or something. Yeah. If a teacher suspected a child was gay, they would be required by law to tell their parents. Yeah, yeah. Um, basically, an, coming out is a huge emotional thing for people, but also that would allow people to... Um, misorient people I don't know what the right word is but like they could just be like oh you're gay and it would create bullying and yeah increase suicide rates and things like that there's a bunch of bathroom bills that are coming through even though North Carolina is in the process of repealing theirs uh, Texas took that as an example and yeah what why do you th I want in your words because mm -hmm. again this is not something that I'm faced with on a day-to-day -day basis so I'm naturally curious about it but in your words why do you think the government wants to legislate that because I aside from like religiously ethical reasons there's no money to be had by shutting out a group of people and as we know we live in a, a very capitalist society and yeah. I tend to think that any motivation a politician has for doing anything is so that somebody could profit but i'm just not seeing it here is there something i'm missing or is there ulterior motives that i'm not seeing i think so i grew up in the catholic church i'm not catholic now but i was growing up and i think when i look at these legislative bills that are coming through i don't think it has anything to do with morality i don't think it has anything to do with um people um, wanting people to be holy I don't think that that's actually being Christian or religious I think it's actually being really hateful and yeah um, ignorant and I think that the main motivation for these bills coming through is that senators and representatives and governors and lieutenant governors want to get their votes in the election and the best way to do that is to say look how righteous i am right yeah i'm righteous i'm righteous i'm righteous i'm fighting the good fight i'm protecting all the heterosexuals from all the homosexual love and mm, yeah. they ruin marriage for all of us it's crazy and to re you see right now in texas and across the country bills and and rights being repealed that have already been given and literally that does nothing to benefit anyone no but it's something that they can yell about in november yeah and say hey 
we didn't let the gays do a thing. Please vote for me and give me all your money. So rather than educate, they pander. Oh, absolutely. I think that if, and this is one of the reasons I'm really passionate about activism right now, especially in Texas, is that I think that if, if it swung the other way and the constituents started saying, actually, we do want gay people to get married and have kids and be able to adopt their own children and do all these things, if if that meant that they would get elected, I think we would see a lot of Republicans suddenly on the bandwagon, yeah. pushing for queer rights, pushing for women's rights. Right. Um, well, well, we're seeing that with, with this McConnell guy who, on a dime, has changed his opinions about everything. I mean... It's true. Now he's saying the Senate should be able to change the rules to favor... The Republicans, whereas mm-hmm. during the Obama administration, he was saying, you can't change the rules. We're the Senate. Uh, right. And he said that with his fist in the air, like, we're yep. the Senate. Uh, but was it any easier during the Obama administration? So in Texas, uh, it was the first two years because the House and the Senate were still democratically controlled. Yeah. Um, but we kind of had a feeling then that it wasn't going to last, kind of like what we're doing right now. We're really pushing for a change in 2018 to bring the House and Senate back to the Democratic side of things and independent side of things. Um, I think... Hopefully, not too much damage will be done by then. Hopefully, we still exist in 2018. Yeah. I think that... Um, I think that it's going to be a major struggle and what we're seeing and hearing from nonprofit organizations in Texas and from galvanizers, organizers, activists is that it's all an uphill struggle and we're going to lose a lot of battles in this war. Yeah. And um, not to use the word war now that we're bombing other people, but um, like, for example, all the LGBTQ stuff that's coming down right now, Mm -hmm. those are they're slipping them into amendments to other bills and HRC and a bunch of other organizations are really fighting them as best they can. Yeah. But we've just accepted that it's going to suck for a while and we just need to keep pushing so that we have, it's kind of like having a paper trail. Sure. You know, like someone's abusing you and you have to get a restraining order. They tell you're, you to create a trail of paper. You're, you're building a resume. Yeah. So that yeah. in 2018, when elections come along, we can say to everyone, hey, we've been fighting this for two years. Here's where we're at. Sure. If you want it to change, you need to change who you're voting for yeah um and and who are you hoping to reach with with that agenda mostly un first of all unaffected or what's the word i'm looking for like voters who think their votes don't matter yeah. people who don't vote that's the biggest one because so in independence texas, and swing voters and and just lazy blue collar voters to be yeah. honest in <clears throat> texas if the people who did not vote had voted Texas would be a purple state or sure. a blue state right now. But because people people get into this cycle of my vote doesn't matter. Why should I vote? I'm not even going to bother. And that is a system that the Republican GOP party and honestly, the Democrats kind of want us to stay in, I think. I think so. Yeah. They're like, if they're unaffected and they think that they don't matter, they won't come vote, which means we can do whatever we want. And then it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. right? Well, and I don't know that this is a new thing necessarily. I feel like this has been going on since, you know, black people couldn't vote. And then when they were allowed to, they only counted for what? What was it? Like three eighths of a vote or some shit like that? Something like that. And now they're trying to suppress that vote. Yeah, yeah, which is, again, nothing new. I mean, I feel like that's been going on. Just give us the day off from work, and then we'll really see what the numbers look like, but we're far, far from that. Um, You mentioned you were bisexual. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm assuming you obviously have come out. 
Well, funny, uh, my family didn't know until they saw me on the news at the LGBTQ uh, rights rally, so <laughs> yeah. they know Surprise. now. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I came out when I was in my 20s in Philadelphia, but um, in Austin, it was kind of like a sleeper cell. Oh yeah. Oh uh, yeah. What, what do you but mean? I'm by out that? now. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're definitely out now. Well, yeah. all seven of our listeners, including Jake Rowe, who uh, <laughs> listens to us religiously, will, you know, uh, uh, have that information. But um, what do you mean by that? What do you mean it's a sleeper cell in Austin? Just for me personally, I just it never came up, so I never brought it up, kind yeah. of thing, and I never really dated. I haven't really dated any women long term in Austin, so it just never. Oh, that makes two of us. <laughs> awesome <laughs> yeah we could create a club sure um but yeah as as all this as i was i started out getting really active in women's rights activism when the hb2 bill came down a couple years ago and, and that, that is that the bathroom one that one is the anti-abortion bill that okay. created that basically shuttered 22 different clinics in texas okay um and that's still a battle we're fighting today but we uh once i started getting active in that and I started seeing all the LGBTQ stuff coming down. I was like, okay, well, that affects me. Yeah. And it affects my friends and my family. And Was your family cool with you uh, coming out? I don't actually know. I'm going to see them on May 6th. Well, okay. I'll find out then. Yeah. I haven't been home since that. I've only chatted with them a couple times. So oh, we'll okay. But you said you've been out here for like eight years already. I have. They've never visited me here. Yeah. And uh, I'm going back. They're in North Carolina. I'm going back to visit. Wow. North Carolina, so, the the one yep. state where. <laughs> yeah. Most of them are very uh, conservative. My mom isn't, but my a lot of my extended family is very conservative. Yeah. Is it that thing that is not spoken in the family? I mean, it probably yeah. <laughs> doesn't matter to them because they just want to know that you're okay. But it probably also never comes up in conversation either does it not ever it's an on purpose yeah you're okay with it like that i oh, mean yeah. <laughs> yeah so you're 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 okay with you know boundaries being put up it's not necessarily worth exploring with your parents yeah for sure i mean i just don't care about their opinion on it um to be really honest and yeah it, i don't think it should matter but they also so, don't pick fights with you so that's good too right like when i go home it's a it's a it's fairly well understood that we won't debate politics or bring about bring up politics. Every now and again, my uncle and I will kind of get, get into, into a healthy debate, but it's respectful and yeah. Well, that's we good. Don't agree on anything, and then it's over. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I feel like that's okay though. Or yeah. would you rather it be different? I mean, I know I'm not going to change anyone's minds, and I'm not trying to. I uh, I respect them for whatever. I. I feel I was supposed to go back and visit earlier in the year and I couldn't do it because I was still so angry about Trump winning the election and they are all so joyous about it and I oh. just couldn't handle it. I was like, it's not going to end well. Yeah, yeah. I am very angry at them for voting for him. Sure. I think that they've... Did they justify their decision with any rational argument? I mean, as it's the same rational conservative argument they have for every conservative they've ever voted for. And I can see some of their points. A lot of it is like small government, not that the GOP is small government. Mm -hmm. I mean, when they want to be inside your body and deciding what you can do with it, that's pretty large government. Right. Um, which is which is interesting to hear that argument from GOP voters. It's like I don't want the government meddling with my business, but it's like, yeah, buddy, uh, open your eyes. Yeah, they already are. Not in my backyard, but maybe in your backyard. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's like that kind of stuff, like business. Like I, th I think mostly it's about 
business and <laughs> conservative fiscal what have you etc cetera, etc cetera. yeah like i we didn't agree on mccain or romney either but i at least respect mccain and romney and well because they weren't uh, well seemingly they weren't pompous asses like right. they they were professional politicians right this guy is just a blustery fool right and uh he's putting on a show he's filming his documentary that's what I. That's how I like to yeah. categorize this presidency. Yeah. This guy is. He's. He's already living ten years ahead, and uh, he's hoping people show up to the movie theater. Right. While he's playing golf and ordering missile strikes from the golf resort. Right. To distract from the fact that he colluded with our number one enemy. Yep. To win the election. And spent the whole day telling Russia all about it. I think. Yeah. I, I know some people are like, oh, he's doing this and no one's going to pay attention to Russia now. But I don't think that's true. I think Russia will stay in the spotlight simply because Russia is allied with Syria. Sure. Or the Syrian government, not the Syri- Syrian people. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think that it's we're just going to hear more and more stuff. And it's unfortunate that it's going to take a while. But I just hope people don't get tired. I'm so worried about citizens getting tired of having to fight it and getting tired of having to educate themselves and getting tired of hearing the new most horrible thing that could possibly have happened has happened. Well, yeah. I mean, that was another question I was going to bring up on top of just trying to survive in the everyday world, just, Mm -hmm. you know, going to a job that probably pays a shitty hourly wage and raising two kids. It's hard to maintain an enthusiasm for wanting to change things for the better. And that could be the root of why people don't show up to the polls also. Um, But do you see those challenges when you're organizing the events that you do? Absolutely. I helped organize um, a small bit of the Mobility Impaired for the Women's March, um, which was a humongous success, 100,000 people just in Austin. Um, And one of the things we talked about in that ongoing planning and that we've kept with the LGBTQ march as well in mind is People get tired, they come to a march, they feel... Those those events are very important because it's a moment for the community to come together and mm-hmm. feel energized. And I think it's like filling their gas tank, you know? Yeah, I think so. Um, but I think one of our points of view is that people need to choose a thing and do that thing. They don't have to do everything. They don't have to go to every march. They don't have to go to every protest. Yeah. They don't have to go to the Capitol every single day. Yeah. But if they can find a way to make it work for their own lives, I think they can fight fatigue and just like pick a topic that is important to you and then start following the news on that topic. Sure. And maybe you write postcards about that and that's the day you go to the Capitol for lobby day or to dissent or agree with something. Yeah. You know, I think that goes a long way and not everyone has to do everything. There's millions of us in this country. And if we all just do a little bit, then there could be a groundswell and we could eventually turn the tide. Exactly. My whole thing is just to donate to the ACLU. I'm like, give money to the people that are going to defend the people who are on the receiving end of this bullshit. Uh, And that's how I sleep at night, among other reasons, among other ways. That's awesome. Uh, But... uh, Yeah, you know, there's something inspiring about attending one of these marches or protests. And it's interesting, you go on social media, you go on Facebook or whatever, and and you'll see 
the other uh, the, the counter argument it's just like what does this prove what does it do and it's yeah. like what did, yeah what did the women's march the, the election's over why even bother and it's like well there's a solidarity involved with something like that you want to know that you're not the only one feeling this way but you also want to know that you're not fighting it yourself either exactly and that's just not that's not you know restricted to just the women's march it's all of them it's black lives matter it's mm-hmm. lgbtq am i getting the letters right yeah you're, okay. you're killing it it's great. all right great uh <laughs> and i think i think the other side doesn't understand that and i don't think it helps to bark back at them either i right. think if you show them you know uh a different way if you show them the benefits if you show them you know how how hate actually is manifested Mm -hmm. then they might see it a different way i mean the one thing i do miss about america is in fact rational and and calm conversations Mm -hmm. you know um what was his name william buckley used to debate gore vidal i think his name was Mm -hmm. he used to have these very intellectual back and forths and some of them were televised and both sides were were represented from the most radically uh, radical ends of the spectrum but they were able to come together and have this civil discourse and i think that's what's missing now because everyone's just yelling at each other i'll tell you though i agree with you to a point i think that everyone's yelling because people of color women and the queer community have not always had that seat at the table to be listened to rationally right and protest is covered under the first amendment it's our first amendment right for free speech and I think that when you see things like Ferguson happening and you hear or Kaepernick taking a knee and you you listen to people who I got in an argument with my not an argument, a conversation with my mom about Kaepernick, actually, because she was saying that what does it prove? And it's just a protest and it's disrespect to the country and first responders. And it was like, okay, you don't want them protest them, meaning like in the specific like Black Lives Matter moment. Yeah. You don't want them to protest in the street. You don't want them to block traffic. You don't want them to protest outside of businesses. Mm -hmm. You don't want them to quietly take a knee. Yeah. You don't want them to put their fist in the air at the Olympics. Where are they allowed to protest again? Where are the where's their free speech? Yeah. Where's women's free speech? Where's queer people's free speech? Like when Stonewall happened, uh, it only really made a huge difference for the queer community because the LGBTQ community came together and protested and created a visual um you know like a visual example of of the fact that like you said everyone was feeling the same way and wasn't alone and i think that to try to restrict like pro like to criminalize protesters blocking traffic is to criminalize the first amendment Hmm. i think that people need to stop yelling that they don't want people protesting the quote-unquote wrong way Mm -hmm. um and maybe they need to stop a minute and say okay why does this upset me that they're protesting in whatever way yeah. or marching or meeting or whatever. Why does that upset me? Where is that coming from? And do I have that freedom? Yeah. Like, am I coming from a place of privilege? And almost always it is. Well, that's where people w- will probably halt themselves because nobody wants to confront their inner self because sure. they're afraid of what they might find. Uh, something I learned in therapy. <laughs> um, now, you said that you have been personally confronted Mm -hmm. uh has it happened more than once well i hate to break it to you but i did grow up a woman (laughs) so yeah i mean appalling i mean 
in addition to like the everyday cat calling the everyday like oh you're like on my bike right here someone leaned out of his car and was like nice ass and i said go fuck yourself and he was like you're just a bitch and it's like (laughs) well like dudes asking you out and then you saying no and then them telling them they're gonna kill you this Mm. is like literally happened to me um just that stuff alone not to mention like i've been going to planned parenthood since i was 18 years old for all of my gynecological needs needs and women's wellness and all that and getting yelled at by protesters as i walk into my doctor's office and what are you even doing there (laughs) screaming hateful things at me when you don't even know what i'm doing there yeah things like what kind of things would they would they yell they call me baby killer they they basically anything you can imagine from a pro-life yeah like they had all the posters with the aborted fetuses, which are not really pictures of aborted fetuses and saying that Planned Parenthood sells baby parts, even though that's been proven it's not true and right. asking me to reconsider and all this stuff. And I'm just like there for a pap smear and maybe some birth control pills, but yeah. they don't know. Yeah, the huge. Yeah, I mean, I've had cancer screenings there. Um, at one point, they thought that I had cervical cancer, and it turned out, thank God, that I didn't, but because of Planned Parenthood, I was able to get that covered. Yeah. Um, so things like that. And then also with the LGBTQ stuff, during the LGBTQ rights rally and on Inauguration Day, there was a dude marching around the Capitol while we were rallying, screaming a lot of obscene things at us. Yeah. And it, um, mostly about was how God the, uh, didn't make us that way. What's and, that church, the Westboro? Were, oh, they, yeah. were they shouting? I'm not saying it was those people, yeah. but what were the, were those particular individuals there that day? Were they just mimicking that sort of God hates fags uh, oh, message? Oh, yeah. yeah. It's totally that. It's like, I mean, it, like, for example, on Muslim Lobby Day at the Capitol, we had to create a human shield to defend the Muslims who were coming to the Capitol to speak to their representatives. Who represent them, by the way? They... You can't pick and choose who you represent. Yeah. Right? Like right. all these we're seeing all these politicians hide from their constituents and not want to do their town halls and it's like, well, we we elected you. Yeah, if you can't face the music, <laughs> then then get out of the band. Yeah. You're fired. You're fired. What a fantastic segue because <laughs> let's lighten things up a little bit. You uh you run you mentioned you run a venue called the Lemon Lounge. It's true. And uh primarily music primarily music um we're a listening room so we do a lot of folk americana jazz blues what do you, what do you mean by listening room i, I mean I've, I've obviously heard that term but in in the context of a performance or a venue like what you, you just play an album and people chill <laughs> why does this work <laughs> that does sound fun but it's a little more lively than that okay. um so we have are there refreshments <laughs> sometimes yeah sometimes there are refreshments um so basically a listening room is just a, a music venue that's spe- specifically geared towards creating an experience between the audience and the performers Mm -hmm. so generally there's no talking and usually we say so in the beginning no phones turn your phones off things like that Mm -hmm. so it's it's attention focused listening instead of like you go to the mohawk for to see some crazy loud band it doesn't matter if people are talking in the back because you can't really hear it from the stage but in our shows it's usually a songwriter or a quieter band so it's 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 less of a concert and more of an experience i would say it's yes okay i'd say that's a fair (laughs) assessment i was gonna say it is totally a concert but i was like oh yeah and do you find people uh respond to that or are you know are people falling asleep in their chairs what what is is there a a real hodgepodge of of connection here (laughs) people are really hungry for it 
Um, Austin has lost a lot of really decent or amazing sound rooms, like listening rooms in the last (laughs) few years. Um, And there aren't a lot of places in the city where you can go and just listen to the music and not have a bunch of people talking and on their phones and taking selfies in front of the band. Yeah. Um, and we've, this actually grew out, I used to work at Flipnotics, which was a listening room that was open 23 years. What is it, it called amazing. again? Flipnotics. Okay. Is that and, spelled with an X at the end? It's not. Oh, okay. <laughs> but it would be awesome if it was. It'd be yeah. so extreme. It'd be so extreme. <laughs> um, and that was a listening room and then that place closed and we started doing house shows and we did listening room style house shows where we yeah. asked the audience to come in. We would make them some tacos and we'd tell literally them to in up. a house, literally in our house. Okay. Um, and it's a very Austin thing to me. It really is. Because uh, I, when I was living in New York, I'd get the fuck out of my house. What are you doing here? It's not a listening room. Um, right. Well, we cool. don't like invade unsuspecting homes. Oh, like, okay. We... Well, then I'm out. I don't want to go to this. I thought there was an element of surprise. Hey, you bought this thing. Now we're going to hang out and drink tea and listen to this songwriter. That would be amazing. You just come home from the grocery store and there's like someone with a banjo in your kitchen. <laughs> but everybody's quiet and respectful. So that's the hook, you know? Yeah. You're like, what's going on? They're like, shh. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like that Uh, so yeah so we started doing that and it just grew and grew and grew and grew till we couldn't keep everyone in our house it was just not enough space and so we've been doing pop up listening room shows in other people's venues for about four years Mm -hmm. and we finally found a space that we could kind of use as an incubator while we build our brand. Yeah. Using like the... Oh, the B word. We said the, the B word. terms. Yeah. Um, but we finally have a space that's consistently ours so we don't have to lug our equipment to shows every night of the week. And that is the Lemon Lounge. And that's the Lemon Lounge. Where is that located? So we're attached to Wright Brothers Brew and Brew. It's on East 5th Street. Oh, I know where that is. I'm going to be there later tonight, actually. Well, not not the Lemon Lounge, but that area. Sorry. Sweet. No, it's okay. I'm not going to be there either, but there is an art opening tonight. Oh, um, fantastic. If you get wild hair. I I do love art. Yeah, Broomber's great. They're our landlords, and they kind of... um, (laughs) I like art. It reminds me of that old contest where you draw a turtle and mail it in, and then they like send you a certificate. That's my favorite artist, (laughs) the person who would draw the original turtle. We never know who that was. We always just see these copycats. They're an enigma. They are an enigma. Uh, so what kind of, uh, aside from the listening room, is it, is it, it's mostly listening room shows. Yeah, so we do a lot of like folk and indie stuff, but we also do jazz shows. And when we do the jazz shows, there's a lot of dancing. There's like a whole swing jazz syndicate in Austin. Oh, that sounds fun. It's massive. It's hundreds of people that get together every single week to yeah. just dance to swing jazz and hot jazz. Are you out there dancing with them? Sometimes. I'm not very good at dancing. Okay. That's just why I book the bands and then just enjoy. <laughs> I like that was the question that tripped you up slightly. We've been getting into a lot of like deep stuff. And I was like, do you dance? And you're like, well, <laughs> smash the patriarchy, but dancing, uh, dancing, uh, uh, touch and go. <laughs> uh, but, it, 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 but it's like swing jazz. It's not like pretentious jazz where people are just snapping their fingers and nodding their heads. We have that sometimes. Too, yeah, okay. <laughs> the Austin <laughs> insulted jazz. a quarter of your fan right. base. Yeah, it's okay. They're smoking a cigar really loud they can't hear you oh yeah there you go <laughs> um, yeah it's it's pretty cool and there's not a lot of places for the swing and jazz groups to play so it's kind of nice to have a new space for them where that's big enough for them to have dancing and yeah it sounds like you program the venue to specifically get away from that you know uh that rock element 
that sort of dominates the Austin music scene. Entirely. Yeah. Um, I love that scene, and I can be found many nights of the week at any of the bars on Red River enjoying a rock band. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Those those rock and roll quartets. (laughs) They're so, so punk. Yeah. So rock. Um, And I love those those places, and they serve a great service to the music industry here, but there was definitely a a need, especially since there was another space that a lot of people played called Strange Brew Mm -hmm. that recently closed in a tragic and horrific way to oh. the people who loved it uh they just showed up one day and it was padlocked oh um, no what what they didn't pay their rent or i or don't cool. work there so i don't, oh, you don't know I, the full I, story I, would, I wouldn't want to speculate but i know yeah. that there i speculate i suspect th- i suspect there was a lot of folks not getting paid for a hot minute there okay um that kind of thing doesn't usually happen overnight so i have no. i suspect the owners knew before the bands did it seems to be a thing that uh is happening more and more in this city though uh, do you feel that, for lack of a better term, do you feel that the authenticity of the Austin music scene is beginning to get trampled? I do, and I'll tell you that I think that the main reason for that is because of the explosion in real estate. Yeah, um, among other things. The If you look at the census data for Austin from, I think, two years ago, it shows that our number two industry, which is the service industry, right behind tech is service industry. Sure. Um most of those folks and a lot of the musician and artist <laughs> folks are moving out of the city center because they just pos- they cannot at all afford it. Um, you're seeing pedicab shops move miles away from downtown, which yeah. is a huge deal because you have to ride that distance to sure. get in and out. Yeah. Um, and, you know, all these people are kind of moving out into the outskirts and venues are really just barely hanging on yeah i mean we're in a really great location and we're struggling and we're i mean we're new so that's expected but when i look at my like my counterparts on red river and all they have to do to to keep their space it's just to have the right to throw a show sure it's overwhelming yeah i mean obviously you can blame gentrification for that you could blame you know the uh, corporatization of mm-hmm. the city which is happening i have time and again told people because i just moved here less than two years ago welcome yeah but i know that i'm part of the problem i know i'm one of the guys who is probably contributing to it I don't say that. I say it apologetically. Sure. I don't say it in a boastful manner. It's just I was living in an area where I knew I couldn't have a good life. And I saw right. Austin and thought I can have a better life there. Um, but it's it, it's certainly a shame that things are going the way they are. Uh, do you see yourself staying in the city? I'd really like to. Yeah. Um, I have a really sweet rental deal right now that I've told my landlord he will have to drag my dead cold body out of the house I live in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, because I, I honestly can't afford to live in He's Austin. not going to hire a hitman now, is he? Or? Oh, God. Yeah. Well, if I ever turn up yeah. well, dead, now we it's know. one of these very many topics we've talked about today is yeah. taking me down. <laughs> um, I think the city council of Austin in the 80s and 90s are a big component of why we're in the situation we're in right now. Sure. And also like the, well, that's interesting. The don't move here idea. You know, it's like, yeah. Well, what, uh, because I'm somebody who becomes fascinated with the backstory of how things end up the way they are, especially in circumstances like Austin. Mm-hmm. Um, I know with New York, the reason why uh, things became the way they are now. And, uh, you know, I'm not trying to exclude anybody in the room or who's listening. It's just, I grew up in New York. Uh, <laughs> You know, Giuliani cleaned up Times Square. He got rid of all the sex shops and all the grime and put in Disney. And, and mm-hmm. that was that had a domino effect. 
And then, uh, you know, a decade later, 9-11 happened and Bloomberg thought, how can we turn things around? Boom, real estate. Let's get all this foreign money in here and start selling this shit off. Uh, with Austin, though, you mentioned something that uh, was interesting. You said it began in, 80s, in the 80s and 90s. Uh, I kind of thought that it, the, the, the real breaking point was, from what I read, 2011 was when Apple moved here and bought up mm -hmm. all that real estate for their campus. Sure. But you're saying it goes back further. I would say it even goes back to the 60s and 70s. Yeah. There's a joke kind of in the Austin community of every decade hates how much it's changed and everyone's like real nostalgic for their one decade, like Armadillo headquarters time and Liberty yeah. Lunch and all these things. But the thing is that you can tell people not to move somewhere, but when you have a really awesome place, people are going to move there anyway. Yeah. And the city council and the state budget like for infrastructure and things like that was just never put in place for growth. And the reason it still was not, hasn't been <laughs> what, right. And they're, they're decades behind where they should be because in the eighties, the, this is hearsay and conjecture, by the way, I didn't That's live fine. here in the eighties, yeah. but this is a very editorial podcast. We're not <laughs> being that. Yeah. We write our own history. <laughs> um, but they, they basically were like, don't move here. We're not going to build that stuff. We're not going to build it because we don't want the city to grow that way. And, and it backfired. Oh, entirely. Because yeah. you can't call yourself the live music capital of the world and then bring in all the tech, whatever, yeah. and then not support your music community. And then on top of that, not put in roads yeah. and public transit. Well, and I just, I love this idea of we'll prevent people from moving here by folding our arms and pouting and telling them yes. that we're not going to make it. Like, that's not how it works. Exactly. If you don't want people to move in, you raise taxes like a good goddamn city does. <laughs> or you stop advertising how cool it is. Like, uh, yeah. stop making top <laughs> 10 lists. Maybe every now and again, you'll put a lie out there. Yeah, geez, close up a few taco shops, <laughs> would you? I mean, they're delicious. Who wouldn't <laughs> <laughs> want to move here and eat them all the time truth i think that um you know the the city council that we have now now that we've we've moved to a 10 district process i think i've worked with or had the great pleasure of meeting a lot of organizers in a lot of the different city council offices due to the march that we're planning and a lot of these councilmen and women seem to be really pushing for public transit and growth mostly some of them are yeah. not for vertical growth and i think at some point we just need to understand that vertical growth has to happen in order to keep austin a vibrant place well you know and that seems to be the simple answer it's like build yeah build vertically build up and i think you're gonna see a radically different skyline a decade from now well yeah it's radically different now than when i moved but here and mopac is still gonna be a death trap it's know? true but i also think even to come down to more of a finer point is that you can build that infrastructure and you can build that housing but it specifically needs to be towards the middle class and lower Yes. I mean, you, the, the those are the industry. people we're chasing out. Yeah, yeah, we're chasing that out. And like families aren't able to afford to live here either. And it's, you can't just have all the tech dudes and ladies coming in and right. paying $2,000 for a studio apartment. That's crazy town. We right. need to make more affordable housing available. And, and you, you know, when you look at a place like New York or LA or Chicago, where, you know, the, the lower and upper classes intermingle. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not saying if you live a lower class life in those cities, your life is any better than anywhere else. But those city governments somehow make it happen whereas here it's it's a smaller city with a smaller population you mm -hmm. need to have that balance you can't just have 
uh, upper middle to upper class people living here because right. <laughs> it don't work. It don't work that way. Right. And I think people don't understand what that's going to do to the culture. Like you move these people out and you know say whatever you want to say about them they need to work harder or whatever but then you take all these artists you take all these service industry people who can't afford to keep riding their bikes or driving into the city every night so they can serve quarter shots on 6th street yeah. to a bunch of gross tourists who are just going to throw up on the side of the building at the end of the night <laughs> yeah you know what i mean you're not going to go pedicab downtown when it takes you 45 minutes to get there. I know a guy that drives an hour to pedicab every night. Yeah. And he has... In the pedicab? No, not in oh. the pedicab, but he drives in an hour <laughs> away and then has to ride from 12th and Chacon into yeah. downtown Austin. It's yeah. crazy. And, and he's, take, probably, he's probably getting like yelled at and shouted at like by... Mugged. People. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. The pedicab community is actively being mugged right now for the yeah. last year and no one's doing anything about it, but that's a whole other show. That's a whole other podcast. Right. But I think like when you have that cultural flight and what you're seeing now is a lot of bands are moving to Lockhart. Lockhart just got a, a craft coffee shop. I mean, yeah. people well, are moving big to... big things. Big things are on the way. That's how you know. That's how it starts. A you, coffee shop, yep. uh, a place that sells cinnamon buns. Oh, yep. And, uh, you know, a, a, a clothing boutique. Yep, and that's all you need. Cosignment. Perfect, yeah. perfect formula. That's it. And then you look at Buda and Kyle and Dripping Springs and ev- this is where the artists are moving. Mm-hmm. And that is where the culture's gonna go it's not gonna stay in austin you're gonna have you're still gonna have your quarter shot bars downtown Mm -hmm. where everyone can go get shit hammered and then like lose a shoe on the way home yeah and that's gonna be your culture your culture is gonna be starbucks it's gonna be ugh, strip malls and panda express right and honestly that's true like because the people who are opening those independent businesses like bolden creek cafe who's been in Austin for almost two decades has like really been owned by an artist who, you know, just wanted to have a cool place to hang out. And now it's like a major employer of 90 people who are living alternative lifestyles or who are artists or whatever. Like it, it, they're employed by them and they spend their money in that community in South Austin. And what happens if they all have to move to Lockhart? Right, right. They're not going to come back here. They're going to move out there. You know. I think the interesting thing that we're going to reflect on maybe in the coming decades is that, sure, these cool cities that people flock to, like Austin and Portland and Seattle and, mm-hmm. and what have you, uh, you know, the artists were flushed out of them, but artists end up going somewhere. And we're living in it right now, so it's hard to really take the temperature of it. Mm-hmm. But like I said, in the coming decades, we'll look back and we'll be like, that's when the Lockhart scene started. Yep. And that's when the Santa Fe scene started. And that's when yeah. the Jersey City scene started. And all, you know, all that shit. Um, Jersey City, really? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I know. I just threw that out there. Um, Jersey City, fantastic place to visit. They, um, might, they might get there. Yeah, people are living there now. I know I had friends that were living there as a, as a more cost-effective solution of being close to New York. Sure. I don't know that the artist community is necessarily picking up steam, but uh, it's a place. People are living there. Um, do you have any political aspirations of your own? You seem very well-informed, well-read, and you have a mission. I have considered running for office a number of times, and then I think back on my life and go, oh man, they've got way too much dirt on me. Uh, that clearly doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> I mean, Jesus Christ. Oh my God. Yeah. Apparently, you can sexually assault like numerous people and still become the president of the United States. I am I mean, still yeah, really it, angry about yeah, that. Yeah. I mean, if you, if, you, if you have the ability to rally people, uh, clearly your past means jack shit now. Right. I mean, I'll just go like 
create a reality show and then run the world. Yeah, I mean, go ahead, smoke some <laughs> angel dust. That'll probably get you <laughs> elected much quicker. <laughs> right? The new, uh, the new generation. I don't know. I, I think for me, I don't. I am. I care more about galvanizing people, like getting people motivated, getting people out in the street, getting people to events. I love producing events, hence the Lemon Lounge. Yeah. I mean, I'm a musician, I'm well, an artist, but it's like... Well, maybe not maybe not run for office as much as, say, become mm-hmm. a campaign manager. Do you ever think about doing something like that? Yeah, I have. I think I'm kind of putting my toe in the water with the events that we're doing here in Austin. Um, I'm just kind of taking some time to learn what the government in is really because like I know what a representative and a senator is and I know what a president is but I think I'm really passionate about local politics I think that's where all the power is yeah and um, I think that's where the problems lie right now right people don't know about local government and that's where the movement Mm -hmm. should be starting exactly the midterm local elections are the more important election because those are the people that are eventually going to run for president yeah Um, and I think that I would be interested in checking out like what city council is like and what that what those things are like and maybe learning how I can take what I'm passionate about and apply it in a way that makes sense for me as a person. Yeah. So I'm just kind of I'm in getting to know people in city council and different nonprofit organizations like um, the Human Rights Commission and Equality <laughs> Texas and um, all these other places kind of figuring out what is it that where can I plug in because I'm also a feminist I'm super passionate about women's rights and right now we're kind of fighting a lot of battles sure. on all sides and do you, did you um, do you donate to um, campaigns I do um, and I also do ongoing giving when I can afford to Planned Parenthood always gets my money sure um, the ACLU Quality Texas also um, I'm really kind of trying to give my five bucks when I can to organizations that are helping with immigration rights. And yeah. um, there's a really great one called CARE, C-A-I-R, that's really great. They help mm-hmm. with like legal fees and, and resources and things like that. And I don't know, I just kind of... For immigrants? Yeah, f- specifically in Texas. Yeah. Um, and there's another one called RACES, R-A-I-C-E-S. They also do stuff like that. The Southern... Poverty Law Center is a really great one. And then, like, I've contributed to Bernie Sanders' campaign yeah. um, and Obama's I was, I, I was going to ask, um, mm-hmm. but I didn't want to, you know. Sure. It could I, be a very intrusive question. Yeah, and I think, I mean, it's, I can understand and respect the hesitance to ask. I appreciate it. Well, I was going to have you blink once if you voted for Bernie <laughs> or blink twice if you voted for Hillary, but. Well, kind of both, actually. I mean, I, I was an independent voter from the time I turned 18, mm-hmm. and I only registered um, as a Democrat in the last two elections. Yeah. And I'm 38, so it's. I don't consider myself a strict Democrat. I consider myself an independent voter that uh, wanted to vote Democratic. Yeah. Um, I was registered independent in New York. I came here Mm -hmm. during the last election primary cycle, Mm -hmm. and I registered Democrat so that I can, you know, yeah. vote in the primaries because I don't know in that... In Texas, you can vote for whoever you, you want vote for in the primary. You want? Oh, okay. Um, but for Shit. me... <laughs> no, <it's, laughs> But the thing is, numbers matter and I think that when people see that more people have registered Democrat, mm-hmm. it, it creates a thought process of like, oh, Texas isn't always going to be red. It's not just a given that it's red. Yeah. It can be blue. It can be purple. I, I genuinely thought this would be 
the, the this last election would be when Texas went blue. We went blue I, for about fifteen seconds. That's it. I thought Hispanic voters would really turn that 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 tide, or, or but uh, Hispanic well, voters are pro life a lot of times. Yeah, yeah. A, a large variety of a large majority of them are, and when you pit immigration against that. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times that's where we're seeing a lot of challenges. It's uh, one of the things that a lot of the campaigns are trying to educate people on is like, okay, you can do all these things and yeah. be Democrat. Um, yeah, I I canvassed for Obama. I went door to door. I made phone calls. I donated. I did a town hall with like mm-hmm. 30 other people with him and Michelle Obama. And oh, like, nice. you met him? Yeah, I did. And before he was elected the first time. Okay. Um, so which, as he was rising. Yeah. And I don't regret that decision. I don't agree with everything he did in his presidency. But No, but you, you know, you're not yeah. supposed to. It, right. Because that's the thing. It's not, they're not just one or the yeah, other. <laughs> there's, there's no such thing as this utopian society we all want where everybody gets what they want. That, right. But that, you know, and not to sound all preachy, uh, Ethan, cue the uh, Star Spangled Banner, please. Uh, <laughs> you know, the bedrock of democracy is being able to disagree, but being all right with what the outcome is, right. except for when the outcome is truly uh, uh, abrasive yeah. and, and, and terrifying. Yep. You know, I, I, I'm shocked that Hillary Clinton lost that election. I understand why she did, but I still cannot believe that there were enough people that voted in this country that were like a sexually assaulting, racist, bigoted guy who is encouraging violence, who has no experience whatsoever, or, uh, this lifelong politician who's done a lot of good in her history for a lot of groups. I don't agree with everything Hillary's done either, but I think when you're talking about the presidency of the United States, maybe I'm very conflicted (laughs) with that. And, um, and, and we'll, we'll wrap it up very shortly here. I'm I'm conflicted with that because I too voted for Bernie, Mm -hmm. uh, until the general and I voted for Hillary. But, Mm -hmm. um, the thing about Hillary was that she was certainly the option against fucking Trump. Right. Um, but overall, I, I don't think she resonated with enough people. And yep. and there are a number of reasons why. I think the woman thing certainly had a, something to do with it. But I also just don't think she really established a, a trusting track record for people to want to take the chance. And unfortunately, we're living in this fucking world now. Yeah. I mean, not putting Bernie on the ticket was a huge mistake not bringing bernie on the road more was a mistake um i mean but i do feel confident and encouraged by the fact that so many people did rally around bernie sanders and uh we do have midterm elections coming up in 2018 and i i I like to look at him as the fall guy you know he Mm -hmm. he he um he took the bullet so that other things and can get started Sure. I think he set something in motion. I think he woke a lot of people up, a lot of apathetic, indifferent people who were turned off by politics and who still might be. And had the privilege of being able to do that. Yeah. The 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 laziness, I like to call it laziness, although that's too harsh a word probably, but like the ineffectual not voting, whatever, that's a privilege to be able to say, well... I'm just not going to vote. Yeah, like I'll, how I'll many still people, be fine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, women and people of color didn't have the right to vote how many years ago? And we're already like, whatever. Yeah, who cares? Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I have high hopes for the midterm elections. I have high hopes for the next presidential election. I think 
I'm just keeping my head down, not really looking at Trump as much as I can and Mm -hmm. just focusing on what I can affect. And that's local politics. And that's what actually affects us on the day to day. My God, everybody, please listen to this woman. (laughs) That is what you need to do. Tune it out and refocus your energy on where it can be productive. Uh, Lisa, thank you for stopping by. I wish you a lot of luck. I'd vote for you. Thank you. Ethan Donna, would you vote for Lisa? Yeah, we're getting a resounding... Let the record show I've been uh, nominated for President of the United States. There you go. <laughs> we're getting yeses around the room. A lot of uh, a lot of good energy in here. Um, and thank you all for, for tuning in this week and downloading the podcast. Uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, we are a part of the Body Tape International Podcast Network. Spin by bodytapeintl.com and sample all of their fine shows. There's plenty. It's like a smorgasbord, as they say in Sweden. So pick one, give it a listen, write reviews, spread the word, do what you got to do. And if you enjoy our show, drop us a line at ryanhasapodcast at gmail.com. And we will see you next week. See ya. International. Should be good.